There's a whole crowd of men out there who need this. Welcome to the case study. This case study will be marked down in time. Known to all as the record keeper of the historic rise of the woke man. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, welcome, gentlemen. I don't know if any women will be listening to this, but quite frankly, I don't care. What I want is to see the change in man. Yes, that's hurt. The change in man. This is the Woke Man series, where you hear the stories of men who changed, who laid to rest their old ways of thinking, and who opened up and started expressing their truth. Revealing emotion, strengthening their self-awareness, and breaking free from the old paradigm of being a man. This is going to help men find the courage to open up, to break the shackles of toxic masculinity, and to guide them home in becoming a better man. Let's go. Oh, by the way, it's Luca. Luca Reedy from the Feeling Alive podcast. And The Woke Man is a sub-series. You're welcome. Welcome back to The Woke Man series, ladies and gentlemen, listening in from wherever you are in the world. We are talking about the conscious journey of man and what that journey actually looks like. And little to my knowledge, when we started this, I thought it would just be helping a lot of men, but it actually seems to be helping a lot of women from the comments that I've been getting. And which is great, and this is just really painting the picture of the conscious journey and how you can go from the lows to the highs. And I'm here with my conscious brother, Scott. Man, how are you? Great, brother. How are you, man? Good to be here. Thank you. Yeah, you're tuning in from Buffalo, New York, eh? Yeah, yep. It's awesome to see where all the men are coming from for this for this series. It's cool. So a little bit about where you grew up and, where, and obviously we know where you live now, but where did you grow up? You've always been American... Yeah, I grew up, actually, I grew up here in Buffalo, New York, was here for 25 years. I left here to move to Texas, uh, Dallas, Texas, lived there for 25 years. And uh, recently, within the last couple of months, right at the beginning of the pandemic, I moved back to Buffalo, New York. So mm. I've just been here for a few months. Yeah. And what took you back to Buffalo? Uh, I want to say it's part of the journey that you're talking about, about this conscious awakening. Uh, cool. To revisit my family of origin and where all the trauma began you know yeah. i think it starts in our family of origin so um coming back here to kind of heal and to reconnect with with my family it's beautiful been, it's brother pretty, pretty cool beautiful and how old are you right now 53. cool man that's awesome yeah. how long have you been on this journey for Ooh, uh it feels like since the beginning but uh honestly i i would say probably at the age of 30 so yeah. for the last 23 years yeah wow good on you man that's awesome and and what are you doing for a living right now scott uh i tell people i travel the universe on a dragon uh picking up and delivering treasure <laughs> i like that that's a cool <laughs> yeah. job yeah yeah and if that how that translates is uh i drive i drive a truck for a living yeah but in the beginning of my journey when i woke up and i realized that how I viewed the world was entirely up to me. 
Um, and when so I shifted true. from being a truck driver to traveling the universe on a dragon delivering treasure, when I realized I create my reality with my thoughts, that it, it changed the fucking game for me, man, big time. So, Man, that is an awesome way to look at it. Like it's just changing the way you see things, right? And that changes the way you feel. Do you sort of look at your encounters where like when you interact with people when you're driving the truck is like you're meant to be there for a reason? Exactly, man. You hit the nail right on the head. Uh, it's not, I didn't have to wait to be something in the future, like a coach or whatever mm. it was. I get to embody that and be that in every moment that I'm inhabiting or incarnated yeah. in this, in this body. So yeah, man, that's true that, spirituality that right there. Yeah. That, yeah, that's kind of where my journey in the beginning to settle a little context. Uh, I would, I had a friend from India give me a CD, <clears throat> excuse me, of Ram Das. Yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. And I would play it over and over and over and over and as I traveled the universe, as I drove the truck, it started to shift to traveling the universe on a dragon delivering treasure. As I repeatedly listened to this, I'm like, this guy's got a PhD and he does acid and I get what he's saying. And mm. I just started to awaken and my way of being began to shift. So that, that spiritual journey began in the truck and then transitioned onto a dragon. Man, so, that's awesome. I love that. And what's one thing you're really good at? Uh, nowadays, my superpower is definitely listening. Mm. And my second ex-wife said before she left me, what I needed from you, Scott, was I needed you to be able to listen to me in a way that I felt understood. And I, I didn't know what that meant. I had no idea. And I just set out on a journey to find mentors and uh, men who embodied what that was and then mm. to learn from them so mm, beautiful and how's that journey been now to like more listening listening to friends family people is that sh transformed it has man women well, the feedback i'm getting from women which i think at one point did not feel safe around me yeah are now opening crying saying i've never i've never done this before with someone um and actually saying i feel safe with you i feel like i can share this part of me i can be fully self-expressed with you i don't yeah. have to contort so wow. it's been some pretty amazing feedback so it man. took it took a uh was it two marriages to learn that lesson yeah yeah two man, very interesting two eh? what's and what's your biggest fear my biggest fear is uh, never uh Never seeing my children again, man. Mm. Being being separated from them by a few thousand miles is feels scary. Mm. And so, are they? Are you doing anything actively to make sure that doesn't happen, or you talk to them a lot? I yeah. There's been some rupture in the relationships. Um, the the relationship with uh, their mother is not still the greatest, but I do everything that I can to reach out and text and talk. And uh, so I, I yeah. feel pretty confident that that won't happen, but there's still this, this fear that mm. it could. Yeah. Well, it shows you're a loving and, and caring father too, though. That's, that's the beautiful part of it. 
And and what's Thank one you. of your favorite quotes, brother? Ah, uh, I'm gonna yeah. have to say it. I, I've got I've got a few, but I want to I want to go with this one um, from Stephen Mitchell's translation of the Bhagavad Gita. Um, and the line is, I think it's Arjuna and Krishna are having this dialogue, and uh, Krishna Krishna is telling Arjuna that we are not entitled to the fruits of our actions, only our actions fruits. And uh, wow, what does that mean to you? It means that the currency of my life is the act of doing, of giving, of service with no expectation of, of receiving anything in yeah. yeah, no reward. It's like the unseen yeah. angel, hey? Yeah, man. I like that. Man, that's beautiful. What's a conscious man to you, Scott? That's a great question, brother. Um, I would have to say it's a, it's a heart-centered man. Uh, a man who lives from his heart, who, uh, who can be vulnerable, uh, transparent, uh, yeah, mm. be, be fully self-expressed, you know, not be afraid to cry or to be angry, but not express it as rage, you know, not having it come out sideways. Uh, how does heart centered show up like in day to day? When, let's see. Uh, when I, when I'm in conflict rather than contracting and pulling away from someone, I stay open. Mm. I get cure. I get curious mm. and as best I can to mm. try to see, you know, what's going on for this person rather than it allows me to create some space when I can cultivate curiosity rather than reacting from my habitual patterns and mm. my, uh, my history. Mm. Yeah. I like that. Man. I see that for sure. It's like just being more empathetic, more understanding, more patient, really yeah. forgiving. It's a challenge. You got to get there. It takes a, it takes a part. It, it takes a certain path to get there. Hey? But it's, it's beautiful, man. Yeah, it is. I'm curious. You have, you, you have a new puppy, so you've got to uh, exhibit lots of patience, lots of it showed me she's been my greatest teacher, man. I mean, that's what I said. Like you're, sur you're surrounded by gurus in every moment. And we yeah. think that gurus are these people that have like 10, 15 years ahead of us. The gurus are just the people in our field right now where they're teaching us the challenges, you know, not only supporting us, but also challenging us. So yeah, she's challenged me a lot. <laughs> yeah. But it's been good because you got to practice what you preach. Otherwise, who are you, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's one, one of the reasons coming back home into my family of origin, having some tools, having some new awareness has been healing had I not had these tools and these, this shift in awareness, I don't think I could come back and, uh, and show up in, in a strong way where it would just be very reactive. And so I see everybody around me, like you're saying, man, they, they are your teachers, man. Everybody here. It's like, you don't have to, it's easy to meditate and sit by yourself and, and be calm, Yeah. but get around a puppy, get around your mother, get around your sister, <laughs> get around your kids, man. And Oh man, that's so true. And that's why I said, that's the real spirituality. And I think, you know, you go to these like spiritual centers, like here in Bali or whatever, and 
just coming over here and living over here for me was like I'm getting around my people, you know. Yeah. Um, and and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is what what I was doing was just bypassing and running away. And it's like the spiritual practice is where the challenges are, and it's in that moment. Not to say that you got to go find the challenges, but that's just a, a realization that I've had, for sure. Yeah, yeah, because in spiritual communities, conflict is still going to come up. Yeah. I mean, like, like what you said, totally. you know, oh, I reckon it's more so there than anything. Like, it's more so in those spiritual communities where you're bloody, like, yeah, you 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 actually having those like because it's like the conscious argument right like they're like yeah but i believe you're projecting at me and like i believe <laughs> that you're not being conscious or, or whatever it is like yeah it's interesting but um what, what's one thing that challenges you right now that's a great question biggest challenge it's finding a way to to uh, communicate with um, the mother of my children in a conscious way, mm. like in a non-blaming, non-threatening uh, way that she, in a way that she can hear me. Um, Has that been really challenging before where you were like, just like you were, you, you know, not so calm, not so patient or not communicating so effectively? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, 10 in 2010, um, I went to jail for domestic violence uh, because I could not hold space for my wife yeah. or for my for my children. So, in a moment of rage, I had I was very had very little resource, and instead of walking out the door, taking a breath, I shoved her while she was holding my son in her arms, and uh, my son hit his head on a dollhouse and she fell to her knees and uh i was taken to jail and never spent another uh night living with my family in that house up until this i mean things had gotten repaired but that was a moment in time where that happened and uh that was hard man mm, man i appreciate you sharing that story that sounded like it, it, I could feel that was quite still quite hard for you to share. Uh, it, it's getting, I think just sharing it again with you is, you know, I, I feel like I know you, you're a brother, yeah. but putting it out there on this platform feels a little bit challenging. I've been okay in the past with sharing it with partners, with past mm. partners, with friends. Um, but it, it feels a little bit, um, difficult now mm. um, how is your relationship with your son now it, it's it has been amazing our relationship has been amazing up until recently he's become a, a teenager he's 13 and uh i was having some emotional difficulties i remember one point being uh going to pick him up and i was in my head having a conversation with my mother for the way she coddled me and kept trying to keep me from you know heart out of harm's way and i could I, then i was projecting and having a conversation with his mother about how i thought she was doing that to him 
And then when my son got into the car, I, I felt as much as I wanted to connect with him, I felt all of this anger and I was projecting onto him. And that was one of the last times that we spent together. Um, mm. And then I ended up moving and I have two daughters as well. And uh, our relationship is a little rocky. Um, they're all teenagers. Um, they've been through a pretty traumatic 10 years of divorce um, mm -hmm. in the middle of things. Uh, things it, it, like this journey, it isn't linear. Um, being a parent, it is always, it's also ebbing and flowing. Yeah. You're in connection. There's a rupture. You're out of connection. Um, but to answer your question, things are getting better with my son. He, I saw some of his stuff on social media and he was behaving in a way that I, I didn't appreciate. He was, it concerned me. Um, mm. And, you know, I, I reached out to him and then I also reached out to his mother to let him know what was going on. And it was cool that she supported me. And we just had a conversation. She goes, or he goes, I'm pissed off at you, dad. And I'm like, why? He goes, because you told mom what I was doing on TikTok and what I was doing on Instagram. And I'm like, and she took it away from me. And that had me feel really connected to my ex-wife Melanie in a way that I hadn't before I mm. didn't feel supported and it it had me feel connected to my son even though he was angry at me I told him I said there's no shame around what you did Rocco it's natural that a little boy would be curious and want to do the things you did and it's not okay for you to behave that way on social media if you have questions if you have concerns if you're if you don't understand what's going on with your body, I'm here for you. And he said, okay, okay. I don't want to talk to you anymore. And he hung up, but just to be able to have that conversation and connect was helpful. And to know that I was being supported by his mother mm -hmm. was helpful. So it's lots of challenges, lots of, lots of growth. Totally brother. Totally, man. It's, um, it's it's lucky that you you have this awareness now. It's I mean it's not even luck. It's 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 there's no chance. You know it was just the way it was always going to be. But to have this awareness now to help your children through that and also to go through that healing process yourself, it's it's beautiful, man. How long were you in jail for? It wasn't very long. It was just a weekend. Yeah. Um, did not have to spend a lot of time. It I was it, it was it was crazy. Not crazy. It was supposed to happen. Um, it was probably about a weekend. Yeah, uh, and it just shook you up. It shook me up. I was in the best shape of my life. I, I've been sober for 10 years, you know, not a drink, not anything, no drugs. Uh, was Started my own kids' fitness business, took my kids to work with me every day because I wanted them to grow up in the culture. Um, everything on the outside looked had the house, had the wife, had the three kids, had the new cars, and I was just beginning the spiritual journey and when I, when the police came to the house and they put me in the back of the car, I was about to lose my fucking mind. Like I lit, it was Texas, June, 110 degrees, no air conditioning in the car. I'd never been arrested in my life. I'm cuffed. I was literally this close to losing my, 
my mind for real. Like I was about to scream. And all of a sudden this voice came and said, it's okay, you're free. And I total relaxation came over my body and I just rested into myself. And I, I got what the voice meant. I didn't know how to leave my family and that was the best way that I knew how to do it. So you could see the signs in hindsight, like you can see back now is how it wasn't meant to be anyway with the family. Yeah, it was supposed to be the way that it was. Wow. Do you thank that experience now? And you look back and you go, I'm grateful for that? I do, man. I, yeah. I, I've done a lot of work to be able to get to this point yeah, yeah. where I can see their, all of this from a place of gratitude, man, for, for, their, for their mother, for, for them. Uh, it I really me, respect that, they, man. That's beautiful. Thank you. They gave me to you. Yeah. Hey, there you go. And that's the thing. It's like these, this, just this hidden order in everything that, you know, somehow you you see one of my posts in New York, and it's like here we are. Like, there's a there's a greater divine intelligence to this. And geez, do we know what it is? Not really, but we can do our best to experience it. That's probably yeah. it. Mm. What's in unconditional love mean to you? Mm. Unconditional love. It's it kind of goes back to that quote from the Gita you know, not having any sort of expectation, like giving freely and fully of myself without, without any expectation of receiving anything in return that what I'm giving is, is love. Yeah. I, I'm love. I don't need validation from out there to know that I generate the energy of love within myself. Mm, totally. No validation. No, not even needing it. Have you been challenged with that in your life? Needing validation? No. Fuck yeah. <laughs> of course, man. Yeah, for sure. Uh, um, how about, yeah, for sure. Man, everyone. I, I mean, not. I'm, I can't speak for everyone, but fuck, it's been a huge one for me. But like, I actually just broke through a big part of that just recently. Um, when I did... I had this thing come up where I was like comparing myself to other people that weren't necessarily like doing anything bigger or grander, but just doing similar stuff to me. And I'm just like, I noticed myself just like, fuck, I got to pick up my game or I'm like, or it's like the thing is like, I'm not that special, you know, like there's those thoughts that come through your mind. And then I just spent a day like fully just feeling into it, not running from it and just going, what is this? And so then I just was like, I'm going to go in and actually find, because I've known I needed external validation for quite a while just with my upbringing. So it's been something that's been in my awareness. And so this was like the final straw, at least at least now, is that mm-hmm. um, I was like, why am I comparing myself? And then so I was watching a few different videos and a few different readings on it, on comparison mindset. And they were like a big one, a common theme was a lot of people, you know, pedestal the highest qualities, the most admirable qualities in, in, in another mm. without accepting that the, the despicable qualities, the qualities that they don't want or the experiences that they had to get to that place. So, for instance, like the one that I think is like, you know, Oprah, everyone's like, oh, I love Oprah, she's a billionaire, like I want to be like that. But everyone's like, okay, cool. But if you were to look at it this way, if you were to go, okay, well, if you want the good, you've got to take the bad. So you got to take the sexual abuse. You got to take growing up with like extreme racism. You got to take all that. And it's just like this neutralizing effect. And once I've done that, it's like 
I've I constantly now like it doesn't come up anymore, and it's mm-hmm. like because I know I wouldn't want to change my life. I wouldn't want to take on their experiences before to to because that would just alter my trajectory and that would take all the people that mean something to me away from me. Mm, that's beautiful, man. Wow. Mm. Yeah, I never. I yeah, that is huge. I, I so I'm curious. Like so. Are you also saying that the quality you see in that person is is you're disowning it in yourself? Like, yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. The, that's like the that's the called a positive psychological projection that I've like come to 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 learn about, and um, is is and and this is I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. John Demartini. Oh, I, yeah, I am. So, um, have you done any of his stuff? I I worked with a one of I did a couple of workshops with. Uh, a woman who I met in one of the workshops who has mentored with him for quite some time. And I coach, she coached me. Wicked. Um, so I'm familiar, vaguely familiar, not super deep in his work, but um, yeah. Yeah. He's um. so he's basically talks about like the, the, he's got a method, the Martini method, which talks about like the neutralization of, of grief and uh, well, shame and pride and any emotion mm-hmm. And he's he's big on like saying that you know the self help world sells um, happiness and they mm. sell what people want, but he's like that's not the real reality. And he's been doing this work for forty eight years, right? And he goes, uh, "There's a it's it's the law of polarity, it's duality that you can't have happy and not sad. You can't have sad and not happy. They exist coexist together, and that's everything. Like there's two sides of the same coin. And so yeah, his work is like you know, you look at to neutralize the really negative emotions that bring up an emotional charge in you. You've also in that same person say like, for me, my stepfather and I, I had a very, like he was very violent and, and whatnot. But so I had like a very much a, a dis, despicable charge, like a very high energetic charge in me that just despised him heavily for many, many, many years. But then, so we did this exercise and it's like, you got to also say, he he balances the equations. He goes for every emotion you despise, there's emotion equal emotion that you admire. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, a trait. So every trait that you despise in someone, there's an equal trait that you admire. And so you go through this really cool method that just neutralizes the the polarities and gets you in this equilibrium, equanimity. Mm. So how, well, I'm curious what that was for you, like with your if you could like yeah kind of so, fill me in a little bit. Yeah. So like uh, for instance, like his was like physically violent so he reject like you got to break the trait down right and so not go like okay he was drunk and hit me you've got to go back down to its essence which is okay the trait was he rejected me aggressively yeah and so okay so then the then you go okay well what's one trait that you admire the trait is he was really really handy and like when he was sober he was just like fixing things creating things and it was like really really cool and I always admired that in him. And so you you got to you balance it at the start of that and then you go through like the seven stage process. But the first thing is you've got to admire, you've got to own the trait in you. So the trait that you admire in someone, you've got to own it 20 to 50 times within your life and you've got to find experiences that, that does that. And then the same way for the despised trait. So rejected aggressively goes, okay, well, where have I... And I've, I'm a big... I've always believed this since learning about projection and... And it's like, okay, well, where is that trait? Where do I reject aggressively to others? Mm. And that's that was like, whoa. And then I was just like, 
20, not 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 when you when you look at it, you go, I was not drunk aggressively rejecting right. people, but I was rejecting aggressively to like say my puppy would do something really really shitty, and I would like give her a nudge with my foot, right. and it was like an unconscious action. And afterwards, I'm just like, oof, where'd that come from? So you, as soon as you own it in you, it takes the energy, it takes a lot of the heat off it. I just felt that, like I, I was kind of doing the pro, listening to you, being present, but then also, yeah, it made sense to me because I could feel it in my body how it worked. That yeah. was really powerful for me. Yeah. So you're, wow. At the wow. end of it, he's had thirteen hundred rape cases, where oh. they've thanked their rapists afterwards. Oh wow. Where they've thanked their rapists Holy afterwards. God. So it's a big process, That's powerful. but it takes a couple of, it would take probably like, you know, in that situation, a couple of hours to diffuse the situation, to diffuse the emotion. But he's like, it's all can be transmuted. But I'm imagining if some of these rape victims have been suffering with this, most of their lives to have it transform or shift within a matter of, what did yeah. you say? A couple hours? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. It's, it's insane. And he's like had, you know, a lot of awards for this method. Um, he's got a basic course. His first course, he's got seventy something, but his first course is the breakthrough experience, and that's where he gives you the, he teaches you it, not to use it as a as a facilitator, but just to teach you it. It's really powerful, man. I've, I've I actually have heard of uh, the breakthrough experience. Um, one of my mentors, I think, kind of inter intertwined some of his work into his uh, yeah. methodology or his map or whatever. Uh, yeah. I think that's where I heard it from. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's sort of what I've been doing. I, like I was been working on a method myself called the fielding method, which was looking at that and cause and effect and karma. And um, so it's like cool to see that I can sort of work, build on that and then use other different philosophies to build on that. But man, this guy's incredible. He's definitely an expander of mine right now. Yeah, I... I, I I have to check him, check out, dive a little deeper into his content, man. Yeah, sure. yeah. If it feels, if Thank it feels you. good for you, yeah, for sure. So, do you, do you believe in a greater? Do you believe in a greater power, Scott? And what is that to you? Yeah, I do. I do believe that there's this, this essence that permeates the whole of creation. Yep. I, I don't know what the fuck it is, man. Honestly, I, I energy. There's this divine source that allows my breath to breathe me and it's intelligence just, yeah yeah awareness intelligence um mm. consciousness yeah i was reading a wayne a wayne dot one of wayne dies book last last night it's a spiritual solutions there's a spiritual solution to every problem and yeah. um he was mentioning in there just at the very beginning he's like so just to bring yourself to this perspective on what spirit is i want you to think about who allows you to breathe? Who allow like when you're sleeping, who who is it that tells your hair and your nails to grow? Mm -hmm. Um, who is it that holds these planets in that shape and format spiraling through the universe? Who is it that turns the seed into a tree? And and what it, what really is that? And so it was this like huge perspective is like you think about that intelligence that operates without us even consciously aware of it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's and it's, it's funny you mentioned Wayne Dyer because he that was the big shift for me. Um, first, it was Eckhart Tolle, Power of Now, yeah, was the first spiritual book I ever read, and then I was introduced to Wayne Dyer, and 
that dude just took me, you know, I started diving into everything that he read or wrote. And then the stuff that he wrote, he would always reference like people who influenced him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yo, if these cats are influenced, this dude, I'm reading that too. So every time I read a Wayne Dyer book, it was like, I it just, I felt expanded. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a, he's a big expander for me, man, for sure. Just resonates so deeply with how he teaches. Cool, man. Very so loving. Yeah. So loving, but not always, which is cool. It's like, it's to see he's like, he was very much an alcoholic for, for a big part of his life. And yeah. Dude, he did ayahuasca too. I met him in Austin, man. I, I saw him right a few years before he died. I was trying to find my car. This is a quick little yeah, story. Yeah. I, I, I run out of the, the vent, uh, the venue and I see all like these older groupies in this back door and there was a limo and I run up and it was Wayne, man. He's, he's like talking to these older chicks and they're signed, he signed in their books and he was talking about an ayahuasca experience that he had the night before or two nights before in Hawaii. And, uh, wow. I, that's, yeah, it was, it was pretty trippy. And was, uh, was that long before he passed away? Was that just before? It was probably, I want to say four or five years before I saw him in Austin, Texas at, uh, it was one of the one of the colleges, man, and it was the craziest thing because, you know, he was a big influence on me. Yeah. So going to see him, man, I was so excited. It was my first time ever seeing him. I had read all of his stuff. I get there, I lose my way, and all of a sudden I'm like literally standing this far away from Wayne Dyer, listening to him talk for a couple of minutes before his limo, you know, uh. took him. It was nuts, man. That was awesome. Did that like push you to dive deeper into his stuff or like inspire you? Oh God. Yeah. And I started to like get curious about psychedelics, but I've been, I've been sober for so long. I I also started diving into like uh, integral theory and Ken Wilber. And he said something that really stuck with me about, you know, psychedelics can only take you so far in my experience with drugs and alcohol yeah. were like I don't want to go down that road ever again I get it LSD mushrooms it sounds like enticing but to not have that in my life for so long yeah I just, I just figured I can access that part of me without the use of anything external of myself so yeah, I was yeah that's, no. that's beautiful man that's good I, and I, I agree with that like I think it can only take you so far because then you've got it You've, you can, you can, you got to integrate it. You've got to use it. Like, I feel like there is definitely other ways to connect. I've done, I've done a lot of like intentional, um, not a lot, but like I've done intentional like plant medicines and they've <clears> definitely helped me. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, maybe they did contribute to me going 15 months sober and also like, you know, not needing alcohol. Like I could just be like, yep, cool, done now I've got a different relationship with it, but like, yeah, it's, you know, I would say it's contributed heavily to me with, with quite a few things in my life, but I don't think it is for everyone to be honest. It's, and and they say it finds you anyway. They say, you know, if if it's, if you're meant to do it, it will find you because it's the spirit in the plant. Right. I, yeah. And uh, Wayne mentioned something like that about how it takes care of you or he did say something to that effect, man. That's pretty cool. that you said that. Yeah. Well, let's look at your um. Let's look at your conscious journey now, Scott. And and we'll go in. It's going to go a little bit like this, and then come out on the top. So if it does get a bit dark, just know that we'll finish on a high. Um. 
That's like that's life. It. it always the dark with the light, man. Um, I love and, the fucking darkness, man. So let's go. Let's go. <laughs> uh, what, what did your life look like as unwoke, and what does it look like compared to now? Okay, uh, at the age of twelve, yeah, I was from the age of twelve till I was thirty-six. Uh, drug addict, alcoholic, um, heavy, heavy. Twelve heavy. to thirty-six. Yeah, it started when I was twelve years old. Um, I started to wake up uh, when I was thirty. Is when I started getting into like fitness. Uh, that taking care of my physical form started me on this journey of self awareness, for sure. Uh, or was it thirty? I was around thirty years old. Yeah, thirty-three. Yeah. Yeah, but it was fucking dark, man. I was lost. Cocaine, what, yeah. fucking everything. What made you start at twelve? Uh the men in the environment that I grew up in, my father uh worked in the restaurant business all of his life, also worked for a uh an aerospace company. So this was growing up in the time where my father worked two jobs so my mother could stay home and be with us. And that that's what men did. They took care of their families. They worked their asses off until they, you know, they produced, they produced, they produced, they produced, and they performed. Mm. Um, so as much as I know he was around, he couldn't also be working two jobs and be, and be there all the time too. Yeah. So the role models in my neighborhood yeah. were drug addicts, alcoholics. Yeah. Um, and that's who I, gravitated towards man so i i was you just copy you just emulating right yeah yeah they were cool man they had the cool hair and the jean jackets and the black leather jackets and they were smoking pot and sh- shooting whatever and um although there was that there was still a part of me that was it was like a lighter part of me that was all like i felt like an angel on this shoulder the devil I, I leaned heavily into, but I always felt that that light too. How did that light show up in those dark times? I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking made it through. Like, honestly, it was like a little like, voice just guiding you and like, yeah. Was, I, that, was that what it was? I, I feel like, I feel like it was, yeah, man. Uh, I never really thought about it until you asked me that question. Um, but yeah, it, it felt like, there was this voice or this energy that was always keeping me in some sort of balance, even though I was way out of fucking balance. Yeah. But it, there was something holding me there, like grounding me, you know, thinking back to those days. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. man. And then how does that compare to now? You're a different character. Oh, fuck, man. I, I don't even recognize this guy, man. But, but I, especially coming back here to the, to where I grew up and the on these streets, um, there's, there's no comparison. Um, it's, yeah. as, as far as my behavior is concerned, I'm still a goofball. I'm still lighthearted, uh, you know, funny. Um, but as far as the drugs and alcohol, uh, gone, gone man, completely disappeared. Actually, when I started getting into fitness and changing my way of being that, it wasn't that I had to go to AA or I was, I felt like I was addicted as I shifted my way of being 
that way of being just fell away. So it wasn't like I was struggling. It just, as I got deeper into fitness, deeper into spirituality, all of that was just like, yeah, you could you see know, the more value. value. The the value was just so much more in the in the health and fitness for you. Yeah, yeah. They Absolutely. do say they do say that it's like, you know, instead of worrying about taking away alcohol and drugs, how about you introduce something that you can actually be connected to? Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, and how how? No, I agree with you, man. And and for you, I'm curious, like being a man and now being connected to your body. What's mm. that like? Were you always this way or? No, not at all, man. Not at all. I, you know, for, for a big part, like I was a lot of drugs, a lot of alcohol. I think I was, I had my first beer at 10. Um, and that was, yeah. And then it was like drinking from 11, 12, smoking weed, never did any, any harder stuff at, at, at 14, but smoking weed at 14, 15. Mm. And then it was, yeah, got into all the way up to crystal meth. But I didn't take, I didn't, I didn't, I never uh, took heroin only because my father was a heroin addict and, and mm. had, was in the, quite affiliated with bikies and um, jail, went to jail for armed robbery and stuff. So it was like that, it was like, oh no, you can't do heroin, can't do heroin because that means I'm my dad and I'm not my dad. So I didn't see the correlation between my behavior even before that as being anywhere associated to my dad, but because I was still able to function. And I still had a job and I still, you know, I, I remember doing crystal meth one day and at like three o'clock in the afternoon at my mate's house who was dealing it and it was like three in the afternoon on like a, on a Thursday or Friday, I can't remember, but then I was like going back to my girlfriend, back to my house where my girlfriend was and she was like very anti like cigarettes and drugs and I'm like fully hiding it. Happy as Larry, of course. And... uh yeah, I just like fully hit it and that was my life. It was just hiding. And so the way my body shows up was I was I was hiding from my feelings because I you know, it was very much in that victim consciousness of like that happened to me and you know, I fucking I, I why didn't I not get like the 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 longer straw like like all my friends did, like they got, you know, school lunch money. This is the victim consciousness mentality that I had. I was like, oh, they had lunch money and went to school. I had to fucking have Vegemite sandwiches and make my own lunch, you know, or like steal money. So now it's like, dude, fucking, it doesn't compare. Like you say, it just doesn't because like I can see when a charge comes up. I can see when my ego comes out. I can see when my victim mentality comes in and to the point where you go, what can I do about it? Cool, then let's do that. Let's not yeah, sit here and wallow. What can I fucking do about it? And that, and to the point where I've got actually a lot firmer with like my clients or my family or my friends to go, no, get out of the story. What can you do about it? That's awesome, man. That you can actually set that boundary and like challenge them immediately rather than tiptoeing or walking on eggshells and kind of being scared that you're going to hurt their feelings or something. You're like, boom. Yeah. can laser in that's awesome man. yeah and i think that's important to, but you, to doing it respectfully too obviously you know not doing gordon ramsay style and fucking feeding it to them <laughs> yeah that, you that's fucking, fucking worthless <laughs> piece of shit yeah they don't need that man yeah. nobody nobody needs that nobody needs that in their life yeah man. totally dude and what was your what was your biggest vice was it drugs and alcohol in that period scott Ah, uh, it was yeah drugs and alcohol cigarettes uh, yeah yeah 
just yeah, all of sure. that. And what what amount what emotion challenged you most? Anger, anxiety, shame, guilt, fear. I anger? would have to say anger. I I would man because my anger came out sideways as rage. I couldn't contain. Yeah. My anger. So when I would feel that charge, I'd lose my shit. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, of course, then there's shame for behaving that way. And then, you know, uh, I, I would have to say the two big ones were anger and shame. Yeah. You know, but I experienced all of the anxiety, all of that shit. Yeah. The the predominant one was anger. And did you contribute that to something that happened in your past? Uh, I want to say that it was modeled to me growing up, like uh, violent screaming outbreaks uh, by my mom, um, you know, towards me, uh, you know, physical abuse, um, emotional abuse. Yeah. Uh, so I, when I had kids, it, ha it would come out sometimes, you know, when I couldn't contain myself, I would scream and yell uncontrollably, never physical. But then when I realized what I accept, I'm sorry, I, I, I digress. It did come out as physical the day that I yeah. went to jail. Um, and it was amazing to have to go through the process and all the classes and courses from the system. And I was, I, I learned that there's, there's no minimization of your behavior. You did that yeah. period. That's what you did. You behaved, yeah. you, you acted it violently because you couldn't contain your emotional upset and you couldn't be with anybody else's emotional upset either, but you did the best you could with what you had. Yeah. But yeah, that shit was fucking hard, man. Man. Yeah. I can feel that. And have you found forgiveness and, and for that and let that go? I have, man. And I, and I think it's a, it's a process too. like, like this yeah. journey we're on. Um, it's like the layers I'll, of the onion. Hey, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, it subsides. And then at like now, I mean, being asked a question and kind of reliving it a little bit, you start to, I can feel it. Like I'm starting to, yeah. and I got to just take yeah. a couple of breaths, come yeah. back into my body, just relax. It's what's okay. been some, what's been some tools? I mean, we'll talk about this a bit later too, but like what's been some tools to help release the anger? Uh, meditation, exercise. Um, I've Like you've been accepting it as well and just see, witnessing it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, being with it and recognize, like, I I took a course with a guy named Jason Gaddis, who uh, he's kind of the one that introduced me to Demartini a little bit because some of his methods are in his teachings. Um, and I learned a Nestor meditation. It it's just a very simple meditation. Number, emotion, sensation thoughts, resource. So it's just a drop in a check and you drop into your body. Where am I at right now? From zero to 10, zero being calm, you know, 10 being blown the fuck out. Okay. I'm at, you know, in understanding where the emotion, so number emotion, what emotion am I feeling right now? Oh, that's anger. That's joy. That's sadness. Then the sensation, you know, where did it live in my body? Where, so the next time it, it shows itself or it, it comes up, if I have some awareness around it, I'm like, oh, that's tightness in my throat. My jaw's clenching. 
That's fucking anger. Slow that. down. And number, emotion, sensation, then thoughts. What am I thinking right now? Oh, I'm thinking about, you know, some story about whatever it is, my ex-wife or I'm just going with anger because that's kind of what we're talking about. That's cool, man. And then ours, it, it helped me a lot. So I would practice all day long over, over, over just, you know, I'd set a timer on my phone just to drop into my body to check in with myself. What's going on? Cause I feel like, you know, we're constantly being impacted by the world around us. And half the time I didn't know what was going on with me. Yeah. So having this tool to drop in and connect and check in, you know, was one of the tools that helped me to be more aware of what the hell was going on when it did come up and be with it and witness it. And, you know, That's sometimes terrible. it fucking flies out though. But Totally, man. Uh, who were you angry at? Do you, do you feel like you were angry at someone in your family or someone in your experiences? Yeah. Um, it, I, it's probably myself that I'm, you know, it's my behavior. I'm feeling the anger and then I'm projecting it. Yeah. You know, uh, it could be my ex-wife or it could be my kids, but it's usually a story that I'm making up in the present moment that isn't really relevant to what's going on. It's some past or some, you know, some future thing that hasn't happened yet. So, yeah. Cool, man. Yeah. Cool. Whose love did you crave most growing up and who did you have to be to get it? Get it? Mm. That's a great question. Mm. Yeah. Whose love did I crave the most and who did I have to be to get it? I want to say my father, man. I I, always, I I think even still to this day, there's times where I just say, I just, you know, he isn't with, a, he isn't in his body anymore. But I, you know, I just wanted to make you proud, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, I, yeah, I craved the attention and the love of my father. Um, so you would do long, things to fit fit in and get his approval? Man, I, I went the other direction with it. I don't think I, I, I went off the deep end and I think I disappointed him and disappointed myself. Like rather than, you know, maybe I was seeking that external validation from my peers. Yeah. Does that make sense? I don't know if that totally, makes sense. Man. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. Like you're rebelling to just to get that, that, that love. Yeah, yeah, I feel that, man. And what talk to me about one of the lowest points in your life. And was suicide ever uh, a factor? I think the the lowest point in my life was when I went to when I went to jail. Like that yeah. felt like it wasn't actually when I went to jail. It was when I when I did the behavior, when I pushed my wife while she was holding my son. That had to be the lowest point. Jail was not really the lowest point. I was yeah. okay there that doing that had to be the lowest point and a suicide is never like yeah. I've had thoughts of maybe I don't want to be here anymore, but there was never, I want to, I want to end this and I'm going to attempt to take my life. Yeah. I, I never had that feeling or that, that thought where I, I, 
I took a step to, you know, try to just end it. Yeah. 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 That's been a pretty common answer. It's like, there's like three types, you know, it's one, it's like, yep, mm-hmm. we're acting on it. Two is like, I've thought about it, but I never really wanted to act on it. And one is like, no, nah, it wasn't. And yeah, it's interesting. It's like, it's, it's, it's definitely interesting, but it's going to be really cool to see those statistics line up and, um, would you say that that lowest point of your life was led to a significant moment of awakening or was there another significant moment of awakening for you? It was, it was a succession of things. Like I told you earlier in the, in the interview um, or in the conversation, when I was in the police car and that voice told me you're free, that was one moment of like awakening, like, oh, wow. But then I feel like there were so many up until this point, they still continue to happen. But that was a pretty significant um, yeah. moment in my life of, of awakening, like this higher, this voice above my ego, above who I thought I was, let me know that even though I did what I did, I was okay. Yeah. And I was safe. Yeah. And that's, that was fucking powerful. Man. Yeah. Wow. Have you had more experiences like that? I have, man. <laughs> um, you want to share some or? Share yeah, for one? sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I love these stories. I could, I've been having a lot of moments awakening and connecting with um, with my father recently. Um, has, he, has he passed? He has. And being back here, I've been revisiting places that he spent a lot of his time, these beautiful places on Lake Erie. And I have his chair that he sat under a tree with his dog overlooking this beautiful lake. And so I've been intentionally um, channeling my father and getting messages from him and he has been telling me, you know, I am proud of you, son. I am proud of the man that you are. That's been healing. Like coming back here was super difficult to leave everything that I knew in Texas, my family, you know, my doing CrossFit, you know, my community of the gym, just everything that was known to me to come here back to my family of origin, back to the place where it all started, but then to get confirmation that it was the wrong thing. Yeah. And, and, and like what actually led you to do that? Like what was the thing where you said, oh, I've got to go back to Buffalo? Uh, I have to attribute it to my cousin Pete, man, who's been like a brother to me. When I, when I left to move to Texas, he was kind of the catalyst for me to come there and kind of get my shit together. And he was always like an older brother to me. And, uh, it took me a while to get my shit together, but he's like, listen, you come down here. I'll put you around some good people, but you got to sink or swim. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be taking care of you like that. And so I did, I came down, but I still continued with drugs and alcohol. But right before I was COVID hit job was gone. I was uh, scaling a kid's fitness business that I started. Everything was just out the window. And I, I didn't have any resources. Like I was like, what am I going to do? And I was just trying to hang in there and it didn't feel good. Like I, I was like, I was grasping for, I don't know. It's like, I couldn't breathe, man. 
I was trying to hang on to who I thought I was. Yeah. And I had my identity wrapped up in my kids, wrapped up in Texas, wrapped up in CrossFit, wrapped up in everything that was known. So I was afraid to let go and go out into the unknown. And my cousin Pete, he goes, listen, man, he goes, you can't stay with me, dude. You can't stay with me because a week's going to turn into a month and I can't do it. He goes, you're going to have to figure something out. And I just got still and I just sat. And the answer was, call your, call your mother, call your sisters, tell them you're coming home. And I had to come home and move back in with my, with my mother, man, until I found a job. And there was so much shame around that. But I said, fuck it, man. I and in the middle of a pandemic, when millions of people were losing their jobs, I sold my shit. I put whatever I had in my car. I traveled a couple thousand miles to get a great job, to be able to take care of my family better, to be able to start the business over, to meet new people, yeah. to heal this, you know, part of me. It's just been amazing. So I attribute a lot of it to my cousin, Pete, who's helped me through the years, man. He's a great dude. Mm, that's beautiful, brother. It's awesome, Thanks, man. What a journey. Oh, hey? fuck. fuck. What yeah. a journey, and, it, it's, and it's just getting started. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And and what what was the greatest healing modality for you on this journey, bro? You talked about meditation, but was there, was there other stuff? Yeah, man. I most recently... Uh, I took a nine month training with this guy named Jason Gaddis, who started the relationship school. And uh, it's called the deep psychology of intimate relationships, DPIR. So after my second marriage, when I told you, my, my wife, Holly said, I needed you to be able to listen to me in a way that I felt understood. I didn't know what that meant. So I went on this mission after a week or two weeks of taking off of work just isolating myself, crying, wallowing in it, you know, distraught. I started going through emails and I, I saw this guy's email and I started listening to his podcasts. Um, and I started diving into his content. Like I, he had maybe 175 podcasts at the time. I listened to him over and over and over and over and over again. And I started practicing the tools that I learned. Because it's like leadership skills, interpersonal relate, relationship skills. Um, and I said, I don't know. I said to myself, I don't know how or I don't know when, but I'm going to fucking meet this guy. I'm going to hug him and I'm going to kiss him and I'm going to tell him thank you for what he's given me. And about a month later, he announced, I'm starting this thing called the relationship school. And I want to get this training into the hands of millions of people, young people. And he goes, anybody who's interested... You know, I'm, I'm, we're going to fly to Boulder for a, a weekend training. Then it's going to be a nine month virtual training. And then you're going to come back and we're going to graduate at the end. So it was, you know, interactive. Um, so me and 47 people from all over the world um, raised our hands and we all flew there to train with this dude, man. And that was the first inaugural year in 2016. And I've still been you know, mentoring uh, under him, it, it, the map and the tools that he's provided for me have been probably some of the most instrumental tools for my growth recently, for sure. 
Phenomenal, man. That's awesome. And how's your friend group changed as you've changed? You've changed mm-hmm. quite a lot of towns too, right? Like you've moved around. How's that helped uh, or how's that shifted? Uh, a lot of people were, you know, just, I had to cut them out of my life. Um, but not in a, you know, not like being a dick about it. Just, um, for instance, when I showed up back here, people, some of my old friends were reaching out to me and I said, Hey, I appreciate you guys reaching out and that you want to get together, but I'm not, I'm not interested in going out and drinking or, you know, rehashing the past or talking about the good old days because they weren't that good. Um, so I don't keep a lot of friends. My, my friends now are the men's group I belong to. Um, my family, um, very few, there's not a big group of people. So it's dwindled down and it's around conscious men more, you know, not that we're any more conscious than anyone else, but it's more like-minded. Yeah. I, I, I want to be in com- this conversation a lot, most yeah. of the time. So it kind of eliminates a lot of people. Yeah. And there's still, you know, there's, I still have friends that, you know, we can shoot the shit about surface level stuff, but it's not that often. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful, man. And what, what part of this journey you're most grateful for? This fucking moment right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's all it's Very, all it is where you are right now, eh? Yeah. And I'm grateful for you in this moment, man, for us to be having this interaction and you know yeah. I do, I feel a lot of gratitude, so thank you. Mm, you're welcome, man. And what would you what this is the last question, what would be that one tip you'd give your old self or younger self just starting this journey? Mm. Oh, that's a good one. What's the one tip I would give my younger, the younger version of me then? Like, yeah, there. So, like, now that you know this stuff back then, oh. just starting this journey. Oh, man. Get into men's work, dude. Get into men's work. What would have he had said to you? <laughs> fuck, fuck. What the fuck are you talking about? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny, eh? Sometimes I don't think we would have listened anyway. But, yeah. I mean, but that's a good message for those who are starting this journey now and listening to this episode is like get into men's work. And why, why, do you, why would you say that? I, I feel like a, a container of conscious men practicing emotional intelligence helps, up, helps us to show up better it's, and then helps us to go back out into the world, into our families yeah. and be safer. Yeah. So I think practicing with men is really important. Yeah. Being in community, I feel like, you know, I feel, yeah, I'll just leave it at that, man. I feel mm. it's really important. Mm. I agree with you, man. It's definitely been transformational for me, like doing men's work and just, it's like, yeah, I like how you said that, like the emotional intelligence, like practicing emotional intelligence. It's like, that's exactly what it is. You know, what's what's more favored, EQ or IQ? Like, you know, some people debate that. Yeah. I, I would I say EQ like, for me. Anyway. I agree. Well, yeah, no. And could you say a little bit more about that? Why do you, I'm curious why you think that. Yeah, Because well, it lands for I, me. Yeah, I think true change comes from when you're 
emotionally available and emotionally receptive. Mm-hmm. And and I think if you really want to change, you've got to understand people. And you can't just be like a lot of intellects. You know, I think I heard this. It was this. I met this guy in Canada when I was living over there, and he was from China, and he was just talking about the schooling ranks, and this, and how like you get ranked from your school, and then and then and then you get ranked for your regions, and then ranked for the whole of China, and like for each year you determine for the for the last year of school year who's the who's the most um who's the smartest in the country, right? Mm. Based off these ranking systems, and so the person who was smartest in the country. In this guy's year, so this guy was like a, he was 40-something, you know, when he was telling me this. And he ended up becoming like a, an astrophysicist and whatever and was like getting flown around all around the world. Ended up working for the government in Canada, this other guy. And what ended up happening was is he, you know, he couldn't necessarily manage his emotions so much that he ended up jumping off a bridge and committing suicide. And... It was to the point where it's like, well, what would have saved him there is like, the IQ didn't, and I'm not to say that everyone with a higher intelligence is 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 worse than someone with an EQ, but I'm saying like a really good balance because I I find myself like I'm I'm a really quick learner, um, I'm a, I love researching, so I do value intelligence in that sense, but I think I also do value emotional um, receptivity. Mm. Would you yeah, agree? Man, that, I would, man. That make like what you said maps to my experience as well, like. I feel, and that goes back to what we were talking about earlier about being heart centered, like being out of here and just dropping in and being yeah. here, but having the balance between the two, it's yeah. important. Having just one, you're out of balance, but yeah. having the combination of two, you're like, you know, you're dangerous, not dangerous, but in a good way. Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally, man. I respect that. I, I, I totally resonate with that as well, man. But that, that's been our interview for today and it's been an absolute pleasure hearing your story brother and sharing it from where you are in the world to where i am now and i'm grateful to have crossed paths with you brother yeah thank you so much for this opportunity man it's been an honor and a privilege i i'm so grateful man thank you no worries man and this will be available for you to share in a couple of weeks with your community and and anyone who does want to connect with scott you'll have your social media in the show notes and and feel free to reach out if you resonate with his story but thank you for everyone for listening to this and I will he- you will hear me and I will see you on the next episode. Much love. I got love in my eyes, bro, I can't see I'm gonna be who I'm destined to be Wokeness is taking my old self away Yeah, I put love into me I'm spreading that love, yo, don't you see Grab your cacao and drink it with me Cause wokeness is taking my old self away Woke man, wokey woke man Woke man, wokey woke man Woke man, wokey woke man Bring love and just be Woke man Wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, bring love and just be.